Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is the show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Renz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing to help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. had we have somewhat similar strategies because i mean i'm going back to like these these rankings and and where and what it means to have your the statistics that everyone's forecasting that you're going to do well in and i wanted to go in and worry about things that are hard to get off that i consider to be hard to get off the waiver wire that it's are hard to correct the ship mid-season stolen bases and saves are the toughest ones to correct Stolen bases, saves, and average are the three hardest ones to get off of the waiver wire. So I am punting on average. <laughs> Not punting, but I am. I have. I strategically have decided consciously to not pursue average after basically three years of pursuing average across both leagues, across both leagues that we're in together. I decided this is not a fruitful strategy anymore, and I decided. Last year, I sort of zagged against average, and I didn't do that well in TGFBI. So this year, I'm going back to the average well because I I want to grab average and runs. I mean, you're so looking at this. If you if we go off of um, Smata, thank you for putting this all together. If we go off of his rankings, you're 380 out of how many how many teams are there? 430. I don't I don't remember. Sure, it sounds about right. So I'm really really low. Oh, you mean no, no, really high. So it's, it's yeah. point, yeah. So high numbers means that you're going to get more points for it in the roto, in the overall roto. And if I had gotten Soto for, if I had grabbed Soto first instead of going super duper safe with Mookie Betts, I would have been even more so up there. <laughs> I uh, yeah, you know what? I I agree with that. No, I think so. I said that you, you and I did sort of the same thing. I think you're a little bit worse off for for stolen bases, but you're super safe in, in saves. I, you know what? That was why I really liked your VR pick, because I was like watching him, and yep. I was like, I'll, I'll just grab him next round. And then and then he got grabbed, and I was like, ah, oh, darn it. That was that was, that was was the guy that I really wanted there. And um, and I have sort of like a little bit of a hole in the stolen bases. I mean, I, I think to some extent, I think you can correct stolen bases because they're going to be guys there are speedy guys where there are big question marks about their playing time that i where i think you might be able to pick up stolen you might be able to pick up stolen bases during the season and i mean to some extent the same thing is true for saves like you wait and see who gets declared a closer on like or if you know if something happens to one of the teams no oh 100 percent. yeah you can there are a lot of guys that are going to be able to pick up saves but my if yeah but yeah. yeah wait so vr you got him exactly where I wanted to get him because he went. I was looking at him in round eleven, and I was like, "Okay, maybe I go Ustremski and VR, and that's going to be like." And then I was like, "Yeah, just a little too much offense. Why don't I grab Nick in?" And then VR goes. I was thinking that I was going to get him round twelve. You got him round thirteen. That was great. That's why I keep on lauding that pick. <laughs> Thank you. 
Should we set ourselves a target? Do we have a target? But quick before we go on to spring training thoughts. Well, we should always be ambitious, right? I mean, we, we've set the periodic target at some of our scores top 100, some of our rankings top 100. Well, should we just aim both aim for top 100? <laughs> Whoa, okay. Well, all right, we can, we can back off a little bit. Sure, sure. Let's just, let's just both be top 100. Let's, let's do that. That's top quartile, right? All right, we will set it. We will set ourselves at, at top 100. I think that is very doable. Any other spring training thoughts you start getting into this? Do you have anything that you want to... You highlighted a couple that I think are, are really good. I mean, somebody had, somebody had to pick a mirror Garrett in one of our leagues. <laughs> and it was you. <laughs> I did. I, well, I really like Amir Garrett. You were mentioning Tyler Molly earlier. And Tyler Molly and Amir Garrett are guys that showed up in the analyses that I did many times. Where it's just like, these guys are actually kind of decent i like amir garrett um, if his arm works if his arm works yeah that should be his that should be his new last name if his arm works um <laughs> i mean i just depend that right in after i i think amir, amir garrett's a great pick as long as he as long as he's not about to go down <laughs> if he if if he has tommy john before the season starts and i guess the, there it is I, i've opened a roster spot um, and and of course the you know the only case this year of major news coming out affecting drafts during TGFBI was Framber Valdez. Framber Valdez, that was it was interesting to watch. It was interesting to watch on Twitter because a lot of the leagues that were ahead of mine, I saw him getting drafted and people being really psyched about drafting Framber Valdez, and then there being that like unknown period. Yep. <laughs> Of, of uh well wait wait, wait. what happened to him <laughs> <laughs> so he got hit by a comebacker yeah right by our by and, our next reviewer our next reviewee oh oh really yeah. i hadn't even noticed that and he um i mean broke his finger right so we don't know if he's out for the season or if he's just out for spring right hasn't been confirmed it has not been confirmed but i surgery. mean they did sign Jake Odorizzi <laughs> after this. So, <laughs> I mean, the team kind of telegraphed what they think is happening. I think it's pretty clear that he's he's going to miss substantial time. I would not, likely, by, though, by the way, I would it. not pick up Odorizzi as as replacement, at least not without seeing what Odorizzi can do. Oh, he's not like-for-like replacement. No, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's talk some fantasy, because based on the pace that we're cutting through Baron and Luthien... It's basically this week and next week. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's well. It's a fast read. I mean, that is a good thing about well, uh, when poems. When yeah, when half of it's in verse, <laughs> you know. Once I once I acclimated myself to going to the glossary whenever I wanted to, and <laughs> I have a, a copy of the Silmarillion on my nightstand. <laughs> And I have, and I have, and I have the Kindle with the Lay of Lothian. So every once in a while, it's like, wait, so Orodreth is, and then bring it, have, go to the appendix. Oh, okay, right. He's Felagon's uh, brother. Got it. Okay, and they're related to Feanor. How? Well, there's the there's the part where they there's the confusing part because we talked about this before. So this book is really. I will say, 
Finrod is definitely my favorite of the three sons. Yeah, but the but he's not Finrod is not the son anymore. Finarfin. Right. He gets he gets like that's that's exactly no. what he's gonna talk about, is that he gets Finrod gets replaced by Finarfin, and then there's a new Finrod, which I actually do really like new Finrod. Felagond. Finrod and New Finrod is, is Baron's bud, right? Felagond, yeah. Yeah, Finrod Felagon. Felagon. It's two. It's two names. Yeah, but I, no. So is that the Finrod you're talking about, or are you talking about? I'm talking the, about the no brother? of the three of Finwe's uh-huh. children. Yeah, Fenar, Fingolfin, and Finrod. Fingun, Fingolfin, and Finrod. No, no, no. Fingolfin. No, no, no. Yeah, Fingolfin. Fingon. Yeah. Fanner. See. Names are too close, yeah. So Fanner, creator of the Simmerals, right? Yep. Fingolfin First son. gets axed by Mor- by Morgoth. We, we're not there yep. yet, but he does. <laughs> are, yeah, are we going to yeah, get that does. in this book? No, that would be... I think that's after the children of Huron. I can't remember. I couldn't remember when that is. It's not in this book. So, and then the, yeah, Finrod who becomes Finarfin. Finrod, Finarfin. That is, that's the part where I spent the most time flipping back and forth to like, uh oh, <laughs> who is who, and how are they, how are they related? Because because we're after Finwe, so we get like no no Way. Finwe except for occasional occasional mentions. mentions. Yeah, and we're, but we're, it's the house of Finwe. Yeah, and we're we're even after Feanor, right? We don't like we're obviously well after the mm-hmm. the Simrils because we we pick up like and Morgoth's got them and it's. And, and every time we hear it, right, Morgoth's got them, and it's just Baron popping it out with the, the yep. dwarf knife. The... I, I do love the comment. It's still in my hand. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> my hand that's, is not with me. That's come up multiple times. I love that. Like, well, I would love to give it to you, but it's in my hand. <laughs> my hand is in a wolf. <laughs> did, I mean, you got to wonder with something like that. Like, did someone... In the Battle of the Psalms, say that to him? Was that like a joke oh. that someone said to Tolkien? He's like, I, I, you know, I had it, it's in my hand, but I, and then raised a stump to him. Anyway, good stuff. Good stuff. Pretty, ha- I'm, I'm much happier with this book, actually, than I thought I might be after reading just part of the introduction. Well, I read the first section and I was like, wow, this is, I hope that this isn't. Yeah, and then I realized that it was like, okay, you're giving all the stories, all the historiography of this, which is great. Yeah. So do you want to talk about synthetic drafts? I would love to talk synthetic drafts. Let's do it. So I did a thing last week, and it had been a thing that had been on my mind since um, you and I sat together in uh, the shadow of the River Thames, which is creating a Python script to create synthetic drafts fake drafts from distributions so i'm calling this synthetic drafts i don't know if there's a better term for it but it's using real um it's using python in input adp distributions with mins max averages and then returning a list of picks yep does sound about right for calling i mean i think the name has been something that i've been struggling with myself what what are you talking about the name is the name is the most straightforward part of all this there we go then good um so how does this how does this work uh i 
I'll give the example. So I, I took draft information from TGFBI. I calculated the ADP for each player drafted, the min for each player, and the max for each player. Um, I've created a function in Python called synthetic underscore draft, and that is pointed towards that ADP information. And uh, you say, here's the ADP information. I want you to return the first 60 picks. And then it iteratively makes picks based on those distributions to make sure that Acuna goes one through five or and um, Garrett Cole goes two through 10, 12, <laughs> et cetera. Um, once I was able to figure out the logic for this, I was able to also use this on Fantasy Pro's aggregate uh, rankings, wherein the consensus rank is the ADP, and then the expert mins and maxes are mins and maxes. That all sound good so far? That all, all sound about right? I'm a big fan of the empirical the empirical strategy here. I think we're going to get into whether there are ways to expand it or improve it here in a little bit. But I think the 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 conceptual framework of you know I have this problem that I want to solve, which is I want to I don't want to need other people to mock draft. I would like to mock draft on my own. <laughs> exactly. I, if I wanted to mock draft, I want to create a bunch of mock drafts or I want to create a vehicle by which I can do a mock draft against yeah. a computer using real data. Um, this is what, this is how I do it. Right. That was the, that was the real, the, the real prompt was I, I said in my head, man, I wish I could just do a mock draft by myself wish I could mock draft against TGFBI by myself. And then um, and then I sort of was thinking through the, okay, well, how would I use the data to do that? Um, so then a little bit on the assumptions of this model that, that's been built. It really leverages, at its core, it leverages the random site package of which it uses the choices function within the random site package which has weights in it. I guess this is why you move up to Python 3, Michael, is for <laughs> all, the, all the new all wizardry. All the new biddies. yeah, yeah, there you go. It has weights, and this was the biggest thing that I had a sticking point in my head of, like, how do we actually weight different players? And then I came up with, uh, so I came up with using the reciprocal rank weighting, where it is 1 divided by the draft ADP squared. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I did this without it squared first and was not liking the amount of times that Acuna was drafted 11th, 12th, etc. No, I mean, I'm, I'm totally with you there. Like you, you want to strongly weight this to the best guy on the board getting taken. Yeah. Use, you have ADP, you have average draft rankings and like, a lot of people say throw that out, but you don't throw it out. You, you just don't use it as as the gospel, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so before, and so at, at the beginning when I was just testing out the the weights, um, I I didn't put in guardrails, but then I started putting in guardrails wherein you can only query out you query out from the the distribution only those players with a min of the draft position, and then 
So then there are five guys at pick number one, Acuna, Tatis, Soto, Betts, DeGrom, and it randomly picks uh, through those. And then each pick, it then says, if your min pick was X, you know, how, what is my universe of players that I could pick from? And then on the flip side of that, what I call the Acuna rule is then to ensure that players aren't picked too late. If the max is reached for a certain player, so it tests every, every player, it's like, okay, at pick number six, is there anyone with a max pick that is less than the pick value? Yeah. And then it says, oh, Acuna is still on the board. This is pick number six. It would never pick past pick number five in TGFBI. You would pick Acuna here. Yes. Which every once in a while in the later picks, you have two or three guys that get queued up. Yeah. And so the way the logic works pretty well, where it puts this pool together of like, okay, these are the three guys that their max pick has been hit, like, and it randomly selects one. And then it goes to the next pick and it randomly selects one. And it goes to the next pick, randomly selects one. I could see, I could see that getting piled up. Yeah, I think. So what's next? Or is there anything else you want to talk about on the assumptions? I, I think the only thing that I, the only thing I would talk about on the assumptions is just interesting. It'd be interesting to see how um, to see how robust things are to different to see to tweaking different assumptions. Like one of the things that yeah that I would like to test is how many drafts do I have to do before I reproduce the exact top ten that went in my TGFBI draft? You know, like. Like, mm-hmm. if this is really working, I should be able to feed in the TGFBI and within the first 30, get out exactly, I don't know, the first 10, first 15 in my draft. You think within the first 30, you would? It has to, because there are literally 30 TGFBI drafts, <laughs> 29 TGFBI drafts, right? Like, I, I, keep, I, I keep thinking about this. Like, the way to validate this is that it has to reproduce the distribution of TGFBI the actual distribution of TGFBI drafts somehow. And I think this is, this is probably gets into like tuning the exponent on the reciprocal weight. I don't, but, but Mike, that is your, the number of combinations that are created. Well, that's why I'm only giving you the top 10. Astronomical. That's why I'm only giving you the top 10. Right. I mean, I know, but even the top 10, I mean, what, so what was your top, what was your top 10? What was your top 10 to my top 10? Oh, your top 10, top 10 was. was Acuna, Acuna, Soto, Tatis, Betts, Turner, Cole, DeGrom, Trout, Ramirez, Yelich. All I'm saying is that like that that's a super sensical that needs to be reproduced within the first uh, let's say first 100, right? I don't think that it I, I don't think that it necessarily would be. And there's a chance cuz there's a chance that only like the out of a thousand it has to be in the thousand. I will. I'll give you that. It has to be in the first thousand okay. runs. It has to get there. It does not necessarily have to do that in the f- first thirty runs because it could randomly not be there. But but my point is that I wonder if the random tuning isn't like if you, if you can tune the exponent at least such that it does happen. Well, why did someone take Ramirez ninth? I mean, that's the real question here. Is it? It's, it's not whether it can be replicated. <laughs> Why did someone take Ramirez ninth to make this? No, but but it should so messy but, it, for but it should be replicated in the sense that this is the information that you're using as the input. Mm-hmm. It is part of it. Yeah. Why do you, I figured out? 
<laughs> well, I, <laughs> it's not, yeah, I, I would love to. It's not trivial to adapt. It, it was not, you know, it was not a five minute task to adapt, adapt the script to check. You did do that? Um, I set it up so that I can l flip through the drafts, but I haven't automated the draft flip yet to compare to a, a certain compare. time. Yeah. Well, that should be, that should be pretty easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I just want to know, well, I guess, I mean, maybe the fundamental question is like, how many, how many times do I have to draw before I get your first 10 TGFBI or my first 10 TGFBI? Mm -hmm. And is that telling us, I'm really, I mean, the framework is, is totally solid. I'm really just looking at like, is the reciprocal weight the right weight? <laughs> do we need to, does that need to be cranked even more? Like, a Absolutely. So that, that is the, I think the biggest piece of it is a, that's a black box is the reciprocal rank weighting system. Yeah. I think that it works as of right now to do the thing. I don't know if it should be tweaked. If it, if it, maybe it's, maybe it's a power of 10 I, <laughs> or maybe it's completely the wrong weighting system. I definitely spent a bunch of time thinking through weight, uh, weighting systems and not feeling good about what was coming back. It just didn't make sense. I think that about brings us to the review session. Mauricio Dubon, right? Is that how you pronounce it? Well, that's what we're going to go name? with. So we, we only talking about this guy because we're talking about this guy. He's one of the, the randoms, right, that we're slotting in to mm -hmm. to the the rank order review session and the reason that we're talking about him is because he's getting picked in drafts yeah he's getting picked in drafts yeah and i will be honest i don't fully understand why he's got a clear path to playing time um yeah there are lots of pirates too <laughs> that also have a clear path to playing time and i'm not drafting them i mean i know he's on he's on the giants <laughs> but i'm telling i'm just saying like a path to playing time <laughs> is that well. The Giants. Yeah. There has been talk about this that the Giants' field last year was not the limiting factor that it's been in a lot of years because they did something where they shut they shut something down, so there wasn't as much wind going through. So there are a lot more. Um, <laughs> if you watch uh, uh, Dubon's um, highlights, yeah. there are a lot more infield outfield hits. Yep. Because than in in usual years, right? So I, I buried the lead. I should give you I should give you the statistics and part of the reason that I'm a little cool on him. So he's he's played games in in two seasons, less than fewer than ninety games total in his career. The last year, played fifty four of the sixty games, gets one hundred and seventy seven plate appearances. So he he got a decent number of reps. Four home runs, twenty one runs, nineteen RBIs, only two stolen bases, three caught stealings. I love that. And uh, 274, 274 average. I mean, that 274 is part of why people are interested in him. Yeah, and the, the 274 seems to be pretty close to maybe what you, what you might ex I would say that's probably a good number to expect from him, just based on, like, looking at him and seeing his general track record. Right, but then our forecaster would say that what, what are we predicting? What are the error bars for the forecast? Oh, they're, they're going to be monster like, because there's, there's nothing. It's probably 240 to 310, right? Uh, it's possible that we didn't even forecast. Oh, no, we did forecast him. Um, Dubon. Well, we give him, we put him at 275, which makes perfect sense. And the error bars are pretty small, actually. Uh, 251 to 284. All right. So don't expect him. So we, we well. slot him in value-wise between 
Joey Wendell, Brad Miller, and Josh Reddick. And that, that last one I actually want to mention because if you click the affinity um, in Baseball Savant, Josh Reddick is his number one comp. Of course he is. <laughs> of course he is. Oh, I, I did want to point out he, uh, my thoughts while I was watching him. He's skinny, decent fielder, and he looked a little bit lighter bat last year. I know. He's kind of a... He's a good-looking guy. He's a cute kid. So he looks like he's sixteen. He also comps with Kepler, which I think is is fair. Makes sense. Yeah, a someone who doesn't steal bases but is slightly speedy and will will get on base a decent amount of times. He's got to steal. He's he has to actually steal more, right? I mean, his he's sprint speed seventy fourth percentile in MLB. If he wants to be valuable, he has to steal. He, he's got to get the green light more, and he's got to convert. What are are you excited about? Yeah, you're highlighting his eligibility, which I think is really relevant. He plays in the outfield, but in most leagues, he's going to have some second base and shortstop eligibility. Yeah, he got eight games at second and short, and forty-four eight games at second, eight games at short, and forty-four games in the outfield. He looked like a pretty decent fielder in the outfield. You know, this happens a lot where the top defensive prospects, middle middle infielder prospects, end up getting pushed to the outfield and then becoming top outfielders um yeah no that's his eligibility i think that this year it's going to be huge to have players that are eligible multi-eligibility because you're going to have games where people aren't going to play for covid for Ah. psychological problem mental problems etc or just realities i i think that's and i think that this is the other piece that i was saying it's like he's got a clear path playing time because he plays a bunch of different positions so i'm looking through his transaction i looked through his transaction logs also like where did this guy come from and this is where i found some of the things that i like and don't like right he's 26 so he's not exactly young but he's played yes less than 90 games in the mlb he's had kind of an interesting track so positives he was part of the trade that sent drew pomerantz to the brewers and he was the piece of the trade right when when the, the Brewers and the Giants had this trade. He used to be in the Brewers system, and he gets traded for Drew Pomerantz, basically. Well, he's in the Red Sox system. He was originally in the, in the Red Sox system, and it looks like he was he was not super successful there. He kind of bounced around he kind of he bounced around the system and spent some time in fall leagues and then he gets traded to he gets traded to the Brewers as part of a, a relatively large package here. For, for Tyler Thornburg, like, I don't know what the Red Sox were thinking there or something, but then he bounces through oh, the Brewers system, only... sees two games of action in the Major League Club for the Brewers before he gets traded to the Giants. <sighs> yeah, I think that they already, they assumed they had Orlando Arcia. They don't, you know, they were going to struggle on that boat rather than move to uh, Dubon. But I think, so the transaction history, I, I, just, I just feel a little worried because he... He never, he was never highlighted as a, a top prospect. So maybe he's just the kind of guy that like put his head down and, and got in a lot of work. And now he's a late bloomer. But he he really would have to be a bona fide late bloomer to be fantasy impactful this year. I agree. But he's being drafted. What in in TGFBI he was two eighty six. Yeah, he's being drafted as like I might start this guy. <laughs> Right between Brian Reynolds and Randall Gritchick, if that one, if you, that gives you a little bit of an idea. Yeah, borderline starter. Yeah, in TGFBI. I think really late rounds, 
you, if you really want a guy who has a, a clear path to a lot of plate appearances, he's not a bad choice. Okay. And you're looking for a light hitting, <laughs> average happy, average and runs solution. Then he's he's not a bad choice. Okay. What do you think? Let's prorate this um, to a regular season. What do you think his plate appearances is, are going to be? I think I think he. I don't see why he doesn't play all the time. Like I think he's got. What, I mean, is, our, what is our forecast have? Forecast is four ninety one, but you taking the over on that? I'm taking. The, the I'm taking the over on that. on that. For all of that, I do feel okay about taking a flyer on him. But yeah, take but a flyer it. on him at two eighty six. Yeah. That sounds about right. Don't reach. Who are we doing next week, Mike? We are on to Francisco Lindor. Nice. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. (laughs) 